Gentlemen and corner kick fam, welcome back. We've got a three man booth this time, alhamdulillah. And it's so great to have all three of us back because all three of our teams were in action this week, um, as well as, you know, hundreds of other teams from around Europe and around the world. Uh, but our three teams in particular uh, had very interesting results going on in the last six days or so. So I, as always, am Nathan Strauss, joined uh, by a man who did not. Uh, pass the ball to the opposition as a goalie, uh, making him the only goalie to not do so in the Champions League game that his team played in this week. It is Nick Vinden. I hate this game. <laughs> and we're also joined. Nick, is that, is, is that it for you? Or uh... <laughs> Well, Nick, I think you have a show to get to, so thanks for coming on the pod today. I hate it. And uh, yeah, Nick, I know you, you have got, you've gotten early out today, so yeah, we'll see you next time. But uh, we're also joined uh, by a man who uh, did not receive a Bruno Fernandez kick to the stomach, uh, unlike Frankie de Jong, it is Caleb Rhodes. Dude. Yeah, uh, that's, that's the factual statement. You can Hi. tell that the, the two members of our podcast are a little deflated today. <laughs> well, yeah, here's the problem though, right? So I entered this podcast by saying like, you know, all three of our teams were in action. Uh, and of course, as the host, like I'm in a great mood because everything has gone my way in the last like week or so uh, from an Arsenal perspective. And of course today, I mean, I was rooting for Barca as well. Like United are a very contemptible team. Um, and this is before- yeah, I hope sold. no one on this podcast was rooting for Manchester United. Well, and, this is, and this is before they get sold to Qatar, you know? Um, so I feel like I ha- I'll have to root for them on Sunday. But uh, yeah, let's start off with- uh, Let's start off for the sake of, of time purposes with Liverpool, because uh, it was a uh, quite an interesting game. Liverpool start out uh, up to nil, courtesy of a nice goal from Darwin Nunez, a, a beautiful little backheel flick, um, and then a, a Thibaut Courtois passing the ball to Mo Salah inside his own area. Um, and then after that, the next 69 minutes of the game were all Real Madrid, in a very, uh, in just a, a comedy of errors, like Liverpool basically forgot how to play soccer for two thirds of this game and got hammered by the greatest uh, Champions League team to ever exist, as we've called them before. They are the zombie team. You know, what's dead will never die. So Nick, I'll give you the floor, right? I know you need some some sort of podcast therapy here. <sighs> like what? What needs to be said that hasn't been said already by the three of us on Liverpool this season, you know? Because I feel like this is it's the first time Liverpool have ever conceded five at home in a Champions League game. You know, it's their worst ever Anfield display in Europe, et cetera, et cetera. But that's just been like par for the course this season where we know that this team isn't good enough, both defensively and the spine of the team to the midfield just has the softest underbelly in the world. And like a 2-0, Liverpool could have been up four or five nil in this game. And I still would have had an inkling of concern that Real Madrid had a way back into this game. Not because, like you said, Nathan, they are Madrid and they are, <laughs> they're, they're unkillable. Um, but because Liverpool are so fragile at the moment, 
And the the question in the lead up to this game was, you know, are Liverpool back? They had a really good display in the derby against Everton. Uh, they beat Newcastle, who were ahead of them in the table 2-0 away at St. James's Park. And the answer to that question was always going to be no. This iteration of Liverpool is has expired, unfortunately. And this was the sort of moment where the old boxer goes into the fight against the, you know, in its prime. I know there's some some players in Real Madrid who aren't in their prime, but they're still world class. You know, goes into the fight against like the world class boxer and gets absolutely cleaned out because, you know, the time has come for them to get absolutely cleaned out. And the time has come not only for Liverpool to get absolutely cleaned out, but for them to clean house of, you know, some of these players that were playing in this game. Like I just it's astounding to me that, you know, after everything, after displaying for a, a, quite a while now that he's not up to the level, nor can he be fit for the entirety of a campaign that Joe Gomez, you know, started this game. I get Liverpool are in a bit of an injury crisis at the back. You know, no Kanate, Matip is coming back from injury, Van Dyke coming back from injury. But Joe Gomez was absolutely atrocious against Madrid. Uh, gave no support to Trent, left Trent quite isolated. Trent, you know, not an outstanding game from him, but Andy Robertson I thought was awful. Van Dyke was uncharacteristically terrible, really left isolated all by himself, left runners alone, um, Liverpool falling asleep on set pieces, really like uncharacteristic things of a Jurgen Klopp side. And that this is just where we are. Like the faith has really been shaken in the the Liverpool project, the Liverpool structure hierarchy, what have you. We know they're bringing in a new sporting director in the summer. Um, we know that there needs to be a massive refresh in the team. This team is approaching the wrong end of their primes. If not, you know, players like Jordan Henderson um, have already passed it. Milner, XYZ, you know, Kaita is leaving on a free. It's just, it's just a mess, man. It was just... Like at 2-0, I, I didn't really feel like celebrating because I knew that it would all be gone. It could all be gone in the blink of an eye, and indeed it was because Liverpool are so easy to play through right now. Indicated by the fact that like a 10-man Newcastle team were able to create chances 2-0 down against Liverpool. And I guarantee you, like I think Jamie Carragher said this on the broadcast, that if Newcastle, if Nick Pope hadn't done that absolutely calamitous, if Nick I don't even know what he's trying to do. That absolutely calamitous. Sorry, I'm just doing the, the Jamie Carragher voice, but you yeah. Go. If he hadn't gotten sent off, like Newcastle would have found a way to get back in that game because actually, Liverpool is so. <laughs> Can we take a second, Nick, just to interrupt you to talk about the Nick Pope red card for a second? Because that was one of the funniest things that I've seen in professional soccer in a really long time. Like you're talking about a, a goalie straight up rushing 35 yards out of his box to scoop up the ball with his bare hands and then plead innocent. It was like true comedy. And you don't see that too often. And then there was like a debate about whether or not it was a... Like, what are we doing? Newcastle pundits are like, oh, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? Or Eddie Howe was like, it's a bit harsh. And I'm like, dude, your goalie just straight up picked up the ball halfway to the halfway halfway line. line. Stopping a clear one-on-one, a one-on-zero. Like, um... It was it was very funny, and Liverpool deserved that win. By the way, that was a big win for them. But yeah, but that's neither here nor there because uh, Liverpool are going to be inconsistent this season because the players they have are inconsistent, the structure they have is inconsistent right now, and the general vibe is really questionable. Like there needs to be a significant inquest into the future of this team come the end of the season. But the issue is that Jurgen Klopp and the squad have 
you know, three more months left of the season to play through and have to find a way to get some performances going in order for them to qualify for Europe or else it's going to be really difficult for them to rebuild in the summer. And this result indicates that, you know, they're not on the level of the Real Madrid's of the world, the elite football clubs of the world right now. I think, right. I think what this game, what we, what we all committed in this game was like the cardinal sin of the champions league, which was thinking that Madrid are ever on the back foot, no matter how many goals down they are. Um, and I think the Newcastle result, as you guys have both kind of alluded to, somewhat flattered Liverpool. Obviously, you know, it was their second win on the bounce in the Premier League. Um, but Newcastle did create, you know, a lot of chances. And I think they're unlucky not to have scored. And frankly, if they had their full strength team, you know, with Bruno Guimaraes and Newcastle haven't been in the best form as of late, despite having, you know, at the time, I think the longest unbeaten run. Um, in the Premier League, you know, I think a full-strike Newcastle team probably could have done some more damage. And I think it was simply the fact that Liverpool got a little lucky with the Nick Pope thing and then got, you know, Gakpo scoring, that the vibes were good. And then against Madrid, you know, going up 2-0 in the first 15 minutes um, definitely was like a continuation of this very short trend. But there is just something so inevitable about Real Madrid in the Champions League, you know, all always. Um, and I think, you know, Vinicius had an amazing game. I thought Modric at several moments, especially on, I think it was the fourth or the fifth goal. You know, it's hard to even remember, um, you know, by, by Shedic, um, tried to press him. Modric basically skinned him and that kind of set up. <laughs> um, and, and I think there's just, there's just kind of like levels to this. And you could sense that, you know, despite the fact that Gakpo is in better form, you know, Salah's back on the score sheet. Darwin Nunez looks very lively as a kind of left winger. You know, that does not make, you know, a complete team, um, you know, for, for understandable reasons, right? Like, as you mentioned, so many injuries, midfield is a mess, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think we probably got a little, you know, out over our skis, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, Madrid happened. And I think the scary thing for me um, is I don't think there's really been a dominant team in the Champions League this year. Um, maybe Napoli is the closest you get to it. Um, but there is like a pretty real chance that despite not being close to, I think the best team. Um, oh you know, no, they're going to be in the final again. I think, I think, I think they, they're going to win. I think they I, could I think win. win. Like I, I have no reason. <laughs> so here's not the to, thing. Here's yeah, the thing. The weaknesses, the weaknesses in their team are, I guess at left back. And yeah. maybe at and maybe at right back. Amavinga can play left back. It doesn't matter. But, but no, because yeah, David Alaba goes off in this game and somehow they get better. No, here's the thing, yeah. right? So Nacho, he's not the greatest player of all time, but he did do a pretty good job of and he was a little bit more conservative, um, you know, which which I think worked well for them. But Madrid have the best left winger in the world, arguably the most clutch and a top two striker in the world. They have a midfield, a midfield that dominated Liverpool. The reigning Ballon d'Or winner. Right. The reigning Ballon d'Or winner. They, they did this without Tony Kreuz, by the way, who was sick, but then got flown in like the day of the game to be part of the squad. They are just so, and we saw this in the Champions League final last year too. They don't have to play good aesthetic soccer to win games because Vinicius is, um he is inheriting the messy crown of like take-ons. He, he attempts something like 22 dribbles and take-ons per game, which is like almost twice as much as the next closest player 
you know, aside from Messi, like he in the graphs, he's now in that upper right corner where yeah. Messi likes to live. So Carlo, even though uh, and even though Rodrigo, I don't think was great. They do have Asensio who's fine, but Vinicius is just so dominant. He actually forces the game. He he makes the right winger better too because of how much attention. Like he draws three men and still beats them. It's actually unbelievable. And he's 22 years old. Carlo Ancelotti called him the most decisive player in the game right now. And I don't think there's really a way you can disagree with him just in how much, you know, he scores a brace in the Club World Cup final, which I know isn't a super important trophy, but you know, it's still a final and Vinicius was the one who sewed that up for them, you know, scores the goal in the Champions League final uh, is a key part of that Brazil team that we saw at the World Cup. Like he is becoming a match winning talismanic player. And I think you saw that at Anfield, you know, one of the most, it is one of the hardest grounds to go to away as a player. Like we've heard several world-class players say that. And Vinicius showed, displayed absolutely no fear, you know, attacking Liverpool at their home turf. And I think there's something to be said for that as well. He's really turning into, I think, one of the most decisive talismanic players in world football. Yeah, I don't think there's an argument there. And frankly, I think when when Liverpool go to Anfield, uh, not Anfield, excuse me, when Liverpool go to the Bernabeu, they should throw the game um, and just play all of their, play all of their youth players and reserves and don't even bother. I know that's not really what's going to happen because they can't do that for, for optical reasons, but uh, this tie is dead and buried. Um, I don't think anyone would, would really argue with that. And like, it's that would be more one-sided than that time in the beginning of COVID with that Russian team that was forced to play like their 15 year olds. Oh my God. It's Yes, one of our greatest bits. Uh, I think that I think that game finished like seven one, but didn't he make like thirty saves? That was one of our that was one of our first like real. Yeah, real it was stuff. like a youth keeper, and he yeah, well, made they, like they, yeah, like they played like crazy yeah, like the, that. Yeah, it's wild, but yeah, I mean this this tie is is done, um, and obviously you know the story of this Liverpool season is is partly injuries, um, it's also just partly you know failing to keep up with the arms race and having some of you know, bad transfers from years past that stuck stuck around in the squad, you know, just just not working out. But we've sort of dissected well, that a lot. A I, I think there's a systematic failure that we've not really touched on with Liverpool. And that, like, the press is gone. Like, the press is no longer working because players like, you know, Fabinho don't seem to have the legs anymore. You know, Salah seems to be a little bit fatigued with the season he's having. He doesn't have Mane, who really orchestrated the press. You know, Cody Hakpo and Darwin Nunes are learning the game, learning like the Liverpool style of play on the fly. Uh, players have been in and out of the team. By Chetich, you know, as an 18-year-old, you can't really, you know, rely on to command that style of game, even though he has been really impressive. I just think a refresh, a complete and total refresh is needed here. And the real scary thing and sad thing, in my opinion, is that Jurgen Klopp admitted after this game, you know, Jurgen Klopp, forever the optimist in terms of Liverpool. Uh, said that the tie was over. Like, the tie is done and dusted. There's no way that they can come back. And to me, like, as a fan, that's how you know that you're sort of at the end of a cycle with a squad here. Yes. Well, with that in mind, uh, we probably should just briefly touch on the other Champions League results uh, from this week. Napoli beat 10-man Frankfurt uh, 2-0 in a game that could have been 3-4, or four, maybe 5-0. They had two expected goals at halftime before... Uh, Frankfurt went down to 10 men. Uh, and then yesterday in another sleeper, another snoozer of a Champions League match day, uh, Inter picked up a 1-0 win over Porto. 
10-man Porto, that is, courtesy of a Lukaku goal, despite Lukaku's sort of fitness being called into question by uh, his own manager. And uh, a late Josco Vardiol header got Leipzig uh, a draw at home against Man City, a Man City team that were without a number of key players in this one, including Kevin De Bruyne and Imeric Laporte. But uh, again, brutal week in the Champions League, brutal couple weeks in the Champions League and uh, in the Europa League as well for English teams because uh, only Manchester United picked up a win of all English clubs, which goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago with, you know, how are you going to spend more money than anyone else and still get tonked? But uh, regardless, that brings us to our next fun topic of the day, Caleb, a, a game that is still fresh in our minds. You know, this is, we're only about an hour and 20 minutes post final whistle. That's but... right. It's Sheriff beating Partizan Belgrade 3-1. Yes, that's uh, that's that's right. Uh, you know, a huge monumental brace for Muhammad Diop. Getting yep. them the win. Holy crap. Quincy Meenig, former young Ajax player, now plays for Partizan Belgrade. The more you know. But anyways. Um, or Leverkusen versus Monaco. I'd be happy I actually, to talk I, about that game. I actually, I did watch that game um, when I was doing some work this afternoon. This game was nuts. Um, you know, lots of back and forth. Florian Verts back, you know, from injury and back looking pretty good. We could also talk about, you know, Juventus beating Nantes. Uh, 3 Maria absolute screamer from yeah. Angel Maria. I don't even know that broke the laws of physics that goal. Yeah, Go watch so that we one. could talk about that. We could talk about um Ren uh losing or winning on the day but losing in the tie to Shakhtar Donetsk. Yeah, they scored an own goal in the 120th minute to send it so, to penalties and then so missed four good. penalties. Yep. We could talk about Roma coming back say. at home Stadio Olimpico style beating RB Salzburg courtesy of you know, Dibola and Bellotti. Uh, and then we, obviously the game that matters most to us is Union Berlin beating Ajax um, 3-1. I think that kind of covers the rest of Europe. So I think we're forgetting a, uh, a marquee <laughs> tie in this, in this round. Perhaps a tie with two very prominent clubs. And I'm not yes, talking it. about sporting club de Portugal against... Micheland of no, Denmark. No, frankly, this, this is the derby of the two most terminally online fan bases. That's um, true. Without a doubt. But uh, Caleb, I think, unfortunately, we have to take you inside the theater of dreams, which for you became a theater of nightmares. As uh, Manchester yeah, United... No one's ever done that one before. I, I know. I really channeled my inner real original, original punditry there. <laughs> I was waiting for the What's... Greek chorus to join in there. Yeah, but... I mean, I don't know I don't know what the issue is. I mean, according to FOTMOB, Busquets was the player of the match, so that's pretty great. And all you can uh, see is a Lewandowski penalty if you hold your finger halfway down your phone. So and clearly under there. Barcelona outpossessed Man U, so that's good. We created oh, more pieces. We yeah. out them we committed fewer fouls because we're gentlemen Uh, oh wait wait hold on wait what's the stat here at the top of the screen oh it says 2-1 to manchester united an aggregate score of 43 except except we had more xg in the first half um we had more going through so caleb is it's so we made a mistake recording so close to full time because caleb is still processing you know he's still in the first stage he's still in the denial stage of grieving he yeah. can't believe that Fred scored a banger and that Anthony, the hundred million pound waste of space, was able to give United oh the victory over Barcelona, a team that looked so good for the first 
well, 45 minutes and 25 seconds of this game. You know, it wasn't so long ago that we were talking about, you know, is Alex Balde the GOAT left back? And is Frank Kessier secretly Chavi in disguise as a 26-year-old Ivorian man? But unfortunately, Caleb, uh, we all have to face the facts at some point. And the fact is, Barcelona only won two games in Europe this year. And those were both against Victoria Plzen. Xavi has yeah. now won just four of 16 European ties that he has been in charge of. So, uh, Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, um, I think that's the kind of damning stat for Barcelona, which and Xavi in particular, is that he has only won, you know, four of the 16 games he's played in Europe across both, you know, the Champions League and the Europa League. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it's nice that we're top of the league, but we've just shown such a shocking inability to translate that elsewhere um, that I think it's, you know, it's just a little bit upsetting. Obviously, we we are missing some players, I think rather key players in this game. So we should get that out of the way, you know, missing Pedri due to injury, Gavi due to suspension. So I guess that's on him. Um, but that's also just part of his game. Um, Dembele is out as well. Sergio Berto got the call up um, into the kind of four-man midfield slash left midfield role today. And he was pretty bad. Um, was a little surprised not to see, you know, Ferran start after he, you know, absolutely you know destroyed Cadiz um repeatedly at the weekend Lewandowski almost had his penalty saved but all in all I think that we just didn't really have a lot to to turn to Rafinha had an especially poor game after a good run of form and then Farron came on pretty late Fati came on even later and unfortunately you know I think Man U probably deserved this victory on the day I'm just a little bit annoyed because I feel like Barcelona could have got a two or three one victory um at home had Xavi not played Marcus Alonso at center back which to his credit he didn't do today until for some reason we're searching for a goal at the end of the game and he subs off Araujo who's our you know literally biggest guy um and biggest sort of aerial threat for Marcus Alonso who I guess did score a header last week but um, I'm not sure you'd say he's really the most kind of like athletic dominant player. Maybe he's a slightly better passer. I don't know. And it seems like there is a injury assumption for. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, yeah, I think so. So I, I, this, this is a tough loss. Obviously getting drawn against Man U was like the worst case scenario for, I think any team um, playing in this round of the Europa league. The issue though, is that, you know, as we know, Barcelona's finances are in a rather dire, uh, dire situation and they become even more dire when you don't make it to the next round of the champions league or, or into the knockout phase of the champions league and we know that the drop off in terms of revenue is quite extreme from you know the champions league to the europa league even if you progress quite far and i think you know this is the kind of thing where there's there was some question as to whether we might you know try to re-sign sergio busquets to a deal this summer I think with this result, like financially, it's like bye bye Busquets and Alba. Like there's also, no there's also, no other Busquets, way forward. Also, Busquets, I, I don't know how he was man of the match. <laughs> no, I was so I literally just I, opened I, that I, before I, I started talking. I, I, I was he, so surprised. He um, so he had a couple of really good balls in the first yeah. half, but he's 34 years old, has negative legs, and 
plays with the kind of the the word the commentary team uses he plays with his brains unfortunately fred and anthony played with their legs so yeah he also was there. just coming back this was they threw him right back into the starting 11 after he was out for a few weeks and i think that might have been an error um like ball day is good though no ball day is good I that. yeah i just thought we were going to see a midfield of Kessier, frankie and roberto and then see Farron as you know a left or right winger um it, it seems like this was a slightly conservative approach from chavi and maybe that makes sense you're going to play away um but i mean this is just this is just tough for barcelona i guess now we just have to focus really heavily on the league but again going back to our earlier conversation i just feel like it's going to be the type of thing at the end of the year where we might win the league by let's say six or seven points or something um, we're leading by eight right now, but Madrid are going to win the Champions League, and then we're going to go bankrupt. So, yeah, yeah, going to be a going to be a real fun time. But honestly. again, we had more XG than them in the first half, so take that. Yeah, no, that's the real trophy. Actually, we should really just start awarding trophies based off of that. Like Liverpool, I'm sorry, but the miracle in Istanbul is no more because you got X out XG in the first half. Um, in 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 the Champions League final, Brighton would have won the league last year. Yeah, they did. They they did win the XG battle last year. Uh, yeah, but we know Barcelona are in dire straits because they've spent so much money for nothing. They've been the sultans of swinging for the fences. Well, so, so much money for nothing in Europe. Again, we are leading La Liga by eight points. Like, yes, it's not I just nothing. wanted to. I just wanted to slip in some dire straits sure. references once you, uh, yeah. once you said that. Um, but Nick, before you, uh, before you, I know you have a, a harder out than. The, you you and Barcelona are both departing early uh, this Indeed. evening. Um, do you have any pertinent thoughts on anything around the soccer world before we move on to vibe checking Arsenal? Because uh, you know I I don't want it, it would be like reverse Schadenfreude, right? Like you take sadness for my happiness. I just want to say um, to uh, I want to take a moment to address one man, and that man is. Newcastle backup goalkeeper, Loris Karius. <laughs> Listen, Loris, I know we have some history in the past. You know, maybe you've let some things slide. Maybe you've dropped the ball once or twice into the path of Gareth Bale or Karen Benzema. But only um, once or twice. But only once or twice. And I know there are some concussion circumstances which may or may not have been the case in that game but i'm begging you i need a superhuman level performance from you in the carabuck cup final against manchester united and you listen do am i happy do i want newcastle to win a trophy in the first season of their ownership under the saudis not particularly no does it gross me out that i really don't have anyone to pick from in this game to root for Yes, it does. But can I support one man in his quest for redemption? I think I can. So it's Loris 2023 for me. And I hope we see a full circle redemption arc, the likes of which soccer has not seen in quite some time. No, I'd like to see Nikki Haley in goal in 2024. But... um. Anyways, with that being said, I must take my leave of you. Nick, we uh, appreciate your presence as always. Absolutely. 
break a leg, have some fun. Thank you. Um, and we'll see you. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Um, but Caleb, I think that that leaves it <laughs> to just the two of us to oh, dissect. God. Wait, can we just um, talk about the goalie situation yeah, in more detail? First, because it is it is ridiculous, right? Like, um, so Nick Pope gets sent off in this like truly absurd play that I mean we watch a lot of soccer, Caleb. And I don't think I've seen that happen outside of like a YouTube compilation of like random stuff that like random soccer errors. Like yeah. it was, it was hilarious, but because Newcastle loaned Martin Dubrovka to United for the first half of the year, because United didn't have a back that United needed a goalie basically on short notice um, instead of playing, you know, Tom Heaton, I guess. And Dubrovka played, and because cup ties still exist in actual domestic cups, Dubrovka, who's the backup goalie at Newcastle, can't play. And I think we, as a sort of soccer community, learned that Lois Karius plays for Newcastle or has a Newcastle contract all at the same time um, because uh, of this situation. So he now has to face United, obviously, you know, the mortal enemy of his former team, Liverpool, et cetera, et cetera, um, in a Champions League, or rather in a cup final. Um, and yeah, I mean, big ethical dilemma as far as rooting interests goes yeah. in this one. Well, but, but also the, the other funny thing about the Dubrovka thing is that in order for Dubrovka to win a to win the Carabao Cup, Newcastle right, must lose, lose. Because he's right. only, yeah. So it's, it's honestly a, an incredibly odd situation. Um, and I think it was really this just like literally like live moment of unfolding knowledge for everyone where it was like first Nick Pope got sent off. Then everyone realized that like, they're like, what game will he be suspended for? Oh, the Carabao Cup final. Then they're like, okay, Dubrovka, who had just gotten subbed on, will play. And they're like, wait, no, he's cup tied. And then it was like, okay, who's left? And it's like Mark Gillespie and Loris Karius. And they're like, oh my God, imagine if Loris Karius played the final. And they're like, wait a minute. Dubrovka <laughs> can't even win if Newcastle win. So honestly, sometimes there are these moments where everything kind of comes together in a pretty kind of like hilarious way. Um, and that was everything that shook out from that, you know, just utterly odd moment um, of, of Nick Pope. So yes, but otherwise, I think, right, you wanted to talk about... Um, Arsenal, who had a very important result in, in a week a weekend of some pretty interesting this, results in the Premier League. Like, we'll get to Arsenal. Maybe that's one we'll focus on. But, you know, we saw Fulham get, I think, a nice win against Brighton in a, a sort of surprisingly upper half of the top half of the table tilt. We saw Everton get a good win against Leeds following another goalie error where Melier was, like, really far forward to, like, stop across to nobody that was particularly there. And Seamus Coleman just kind of like crossed it into the goal. But I don't think it was like a crot. I think it was just like, that's how you did it. And he kind of went behind the goalie. Very odd, but huge for Everton. Terrible for Leeds. We saw Chelsea continue to be bad. Uh, where <laughs> Chelsea, they... Graham Potter has now won one game. He's actually, he's won one game yeah. in charge of Chelsea. Yeah. Um, they got they got Ward-Prowse, but again, they tried, they tried Fofana. They're basically just throwing all of their random slightly above average players yeah. they transferred in at a dartboard and hoping one he's literally doing kind of like you know like for like champions league draw whatever they have like the balls he literally just has one for each position and just like draws a random player um 
out of it. But right, James Ward-Prowse, best free kick taker in the Premier League, probably the second best free kick taker in the top five leagues outside of Messi, like literally statistically, no one scores, you know, or after Messi, no one scores more free kick goals in the last like three years or something than James Ward-Prowse. So they they win. That's another huge win for a you know team deep in the relegation zone. Manchester City draw against Nottingham Forest, um, and then Tottenham you know beat West Ham, pushing West Ham you know deep into the relegation zone um, as well. It's now West Ham, Leeds, and Southampton um, down at the bottom. Everton are currently you know in 16th place, only a point away from you know the relegation zone, but certainly better than they've been recently but I think by far the most interesting game this weekend was Aston Villa 2 Arsenal 4 a game that Tom Hanks attended because he's a Aston Villa fan which I didn't know uh Ollie Watkins scored in the fifth minute Philippe Coutinho scored in the 31st minute um Saka got on the board Zinchenko scored I think his first ever Premier League goal which is wild yeah so heading into you know stoppage time of the second half it was tied 2-2 it looked as though it appeared as though it seemed almost certain that arsenal would be dropping you know further points in what's been a difficult stretch in the premier league for them but then what happened nathan what happened in those last five eight minutes um of stoppage time what happened is that my week was made is that that's what happened um Basically, in in traditional Emmy Martinez fashion, uh, and and Emmy Martinez, he's has a he's a big, bit of a mixed bag in terms of how Arsenal fans view him because he has a tendency to sort of chat shit in the media. But uh, in sort of vintage Emmy Martinez fashion, the entire second half, uh, he was just wasting time, and not like wasting like tactical amounts of time. Like he was taking like sixty five seconds to get off goal kicks, you know, back and forth, basically from the sixty fifth minute on. Eventually, um, the referee says, you know, I've had enough and books him in the 84th minute. Arsenal bring on Martinelli for Trossard. Um, They make a couple of other attacking changes. And finally, all of the pressure that they put on, they basically camped out in in the villa attacking third for the better part of like 15 minutes. And then Jorginho, who was terrific, Jorginho, who played more line-breaking passes today, or rather not today, but in this game, than Thomas Partey had all season. Uh, Jorginho has a tremendous hit that goes off the underside of where the bar and the post meet, and it bounces down off the crossbar, off the back of Martinez's head, and in. So it goes down as an Emmy Martinez own goal. Uh, It it really is Jorginho's goal. Um, And then just two minutes later, Villa earn a corner. They send Martinez up um, at, for a last gasp kind of thing. And Arsenal clear their lines. Vieira plays Martinelli through, and he has 50 yards to run through on goal. Um, there's a great picture of Vieira, and I think some of the other Arsenal players celebrating before uh, Martinelli even takes the shot to, to give Arsenal the lead. But this was excellent. It was also great because... Um, you know, at the same time as Arsenal were retaking this, or rather like an hour later, uh, Chris Wood, who once cost Arsenal a bunch of points in, in his Burnley days, equalized against Man City. So City dropped points, um, you know, Newcastle dropped points, United beat Leicester uh, the next day. But it was a, a great weekend for Arsenal fans because, you know, the, the next run in 
is is pretty favorable like the next month of games you know until their europa league which which we do have you know the draws tomorrow but arsenal have leicester everton bournemouth fulham and palace and then leeds so those are like six very winnable games um plus you know a, a trip to I, one of the teams that won today hopefully it's not um you know hope it can't be united but obviously hopefully it's not juventus um but otherwise you know those are some pretty favorable potential matches that 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 arsenal could have so great week the vibes are good uh the vibes are good in north london the vibes are good arsenal on 54 points now oh and Saka and Saka has agreed to oh yes a big new deal yeah five-year deal five-year deal two hundred thousand pounds a week and like it's just like it's much deserved because yeah when he broke into the first team for the first year he was still on academy wages he re-signed after the fa cup win and now that he is you know probably going to be the premier league team of the season you know right winger uh academy kid like i'm all for just you know give him give him the money so yeah big uh big stuff big stuff Yes. So yeah, Arsenal have a two point lead over City at the top. They still have that game in hand. Man U only three points further back on City. Uh, Low key on on current trend lines, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for United to be ahead of City come season's end. But they're they're both quite good. Um, This coming weekend is a bit odd. Um, There are several teams that do not have fixtures i think in part due to the carabao cup um final um so stay tuned for that but i think that's the arsenal update there's yeah it's still 538 has it as a 48 47 percent split between arsenal and city um and then united have a four percent chance right now which i think is just a lot i think that's just like lag in their model you know, like, I think it just takes time for them to be like, no, this is like a legit team, you know? And it's only been, you know, a month and a half of, you know, two months or whatever of Marcus Rashford being like ungodly. And at some point that will be reflected in their model. Because um, I don't think on current form, the dis- difference between those teams is that great. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, no, I agree. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a a good weekend indeed, and yeah, this is this is a weird weekend of soccer because, um, you know, Newcastle Brighton, which is like sneaky, if that's one for like the the Premier League hipsters. That one doesn't happen uh, this week. Uh, you have the the Carabao Cup final. You have a, a huge game in Germany between uh, Bayern Munich and Union Berlin because I think it's oh time. Oh my Caleb. God, it's time! It's time! It's time <laughs> for. Bundesliga watch. It's oh, time man. for Bundesliga watch. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, have you been there the whole time? I, I was. It was funny. I was actually just thinking, like, why is Nick's like? Did you God, leave and come back? Asshole. Or just... I, asshole. I, I went and got ready when I was listening to you guys the whole time. Dude, I actually jumped up and hit my elbow on the window frame because I was like, "What is happening?" Oh, you guys got to keep that in. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Well, Nick, do you have any Honestly, sneaky great work, Nick. Um, uh, appreciate that. Uh, appreciate that as always. Um, that was, that was, that was, that was great shit. Um, that, that really did scare me. Uh, 
Are you Nick? Are you staying on now, or are you? Are you do you want? Yeah, to yeah, talk I can stay on for like five more minutes. Oh, great! So let's talk yeah. Bundesliga because uh, in the Jan Summer Derby, Bayern got smoked in the second half, losing three two to Mönchengladbach, a bad Mönchengladbach team, by the way. Union Berlin had a chance to go top against a Schalke team that are bound for the Bundesliga two. They have just two wins this season and a negative twenty seven goal differential. So naturally. You know, Union couldn't capitalize at home. They draw nil-nil. Uh, and Dortmund have quietly put together a really good run of games. They haven't lost um, since the World Cup break. In fact, they've only won games, no draws since the World Cup break. And so now we have a three a three-way tie um, at the top of the Bundesliga. Three very different teams. And uh, you know, the the game of the, the game of the, the weekend, surely, is at the Allianz Arena. Um, between Bayern and Union. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a little unfortunate that Union couldn't take, you know, the provisional lead um, heading into this weekend. A note on Schalke, though, is they have in general been awful this year. Um, I mean, they haven't won since a 1-0 victory over Mainz um, in November. But in their last four Bundesliga games, they have drawn 0-0. So they've gotten nil-nil results against Köln, Mönchengladbach, Wolfsburg, and now Union. And so considering, you know, Union Berlin are not, I would say, the most free-scoring side, um, it's not it's it's not as bad a result as it actually seems, if that makes sense. Um, but still, it is kind of crazy that we do find ourselves you know, 21 games into a 34, you know, week game, whatever fixture season. And there are three teams tied, you know, Freiburg, Freiburg are only, you know, three points further back. And even Leipzig and Eintracht Frankfurt are only you know, one and two points back. So the top six is incredibly, incredibly tight. And at this point, I hope it is Union. But if any of those teams other than Bayern could win the Bundesliga, I'm there for that. And it starts this weekend with Bayern versus Union. That's when it starts. Yeah, so. and I think Bayern have uh, insurmountable goal difference at this point at a plus 40. They've scored 61 goals and conceded 21. But Borussia Dortmund have won five in a row, including... The beginning of that run was a 5-1 thrashing of Freiburg. And players are really starting to, A, come back into full fitness for this Dortmund team, and B, start producing the goods and putting the ball in the back of the net. And it's not just one player. Like, they had four different goal scorers against Hertha, five different goal scorers against Freiburg. They beat Chelsea. Like, obviously, Chelsea are horrific this season, but Chelsea still have spent, you know, an ungodly sum of money in order to assemble that team. And they managed to beat them. Karim Adeyemi, who I think oh, was... Adeyemi has the sauce. He's been excellent. And, you know, he was he's touted as the, you know, quote-unquote Erling Holland replacement. I think we know no one man can really replace uh, the goal output of one Erling Holland. It has to be by committee. And it seems like Dortmund are starting to put together you know, that committee of goal scorers in Ariemi, in Daniel Malin, who has started to find the back of the net. Um, Marco Reus is still, you know, kicking about at the age of 33. And Julian Brandt as well, who now has uh, seven goals and four assists in the Bundesliga. And Gio so, Reyna and having Hilaire back. No, I agree. I think this Dortmund team is 
like fit and firing now. And I do think that honestly, they're probably a more likely team, obviously, versus Union to potentially pit Bayern to the title. But I do think like Bundesliga watch is like on on now. Like we've 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 joked, but like it really is on. It really is on. Nathan. Yeah, I mean, I think it is on huge games coming up. Obviously, Bayern and Union this weekend. Um, Bayern are preoccupied by having to defend, uh, you know, a PSG team that should have uh, a fully fit squad minus Neymar, who will presumably be, you know, in Brazil for his sister's birthday um, when when that game happens. But um, we also have Leipzig Dortmund next weekend too. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Um, another big game this weekend as well is. Uh, is Le Classique between uh, PSG and Marseille, the teams that are currently one and two in uh, Ligue 1. That game is in Marseille. It's probably going to end up with at least one sending off. Remember last year, uh, was it last year or the year before where the game had to be abandoned because of players maybe, or supporter fights? What Do you guys remember this? I don't, I think, I think it was last year. Was that the game too, where they had to literally have police with riot shields protecting Neymar while he took a corner? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's um, but and also OM just beat PSG two weeks ago. Um, yeah, the cons. Yeah. So yeah, PSG not exactly. PSG are are the worst, the worst value for money I think right now of the leaders of the leagues in the big five. I was, I was gonna say worst value for money is Chelsea. No, no, no. But in I terms mean of, of, in terms of, of the of leaders the, of the people yes. the teams that are in first place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can probably I think it'd be really fun at some point this summer maybe to have like a we each bring a list of our our like worst five transfers of all time and just see how much overlap there is on it. But yeah, we also have Spurs Chelsea this weekend um in a game that's going to see exactly zero goals. Um Barcelona look to rebound against uh La Liga whipping boys Almeria. Uh let's see what else. Any other good things? I mean, I I'm probably I would rather watch Union Bayern than watch the Saudi Qatar proxy war at Wembley. Um, but those are at the same time as well on Sunday. Ah. Uh, and Milan Atalanta could be a fun one as well um, Sunday afternoon. And of course, big shout out because MLS is back. Oh, and the Madrid Derby on Saturday too. So outside Dude, of the it's gonna be, a lot of good games this weekend. It's going to be really funny when Bayern beat Union 7-0 like this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, we, have, we, we could all see it coming, right? You know. I was hoping that we wouldn't broach that inevitable possibility that yeah. Bayern were going to go out there and win like 4-0. Chupamoting was going to score like a bicycle kick. Yeah, uh, who knows? Chupamoting was going to score like a perfect hat trick. You know? Exactly. Um, I was going to dribble through everyone. Yeah. So that that is like, that's 90% likely, I would say. But yeah. But it hasn't I mean, happened you yet. You never know. Yeah, Union, yeah, they produced the goods in big games. Union. Yeah, they beat they beat Ajax today. today. They smoked Ajax after drawing away from home. Um, Ajax are bad though, so that's not. I mean, it's a big result. And honestly, I th- I believe the revenue that they have made now from advancing to the Europa League round of sixteen completely offsets all of their transfers that they've made since being promoted to the Bundesliga, which is uh, well, very cool and good for them. They are the anti-Chelsea, if you will. Um, but yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of soccer this weekend. And then next week we've got more champions league, um, as you would expect, actually, sorry, next week, there's no champions league cause it's an FA cup, uh, match week and a premier league match week as well. We do have the, 
Classico in the Co- the first Classico in the Copa del Rey. Um, Barca and Madrid still have to play each other three times in the next like five weeks, which is kind of wild. I guess good for the good for the casual viewer. Um, but yeah, we'll be here to to recap all the action. Um, Nick, I'm still I, I still like you're still a little rattled over there, dude. I am rattled because here's the thing: like when it's a two man booth compared to a three man booth, you can zone not zone out a little bit, but you can take time to think about what your next point is going to be without having to sort of like figure out when is the right time to interject. Because it's a little bit more just like you know we're just sitting down, you know, having lunch or something. But with the third man in, it requires a bit more you know brain activity. And so I was like in full on like formulating my next point mode, and then you shouted. And I, I'm wearing headphones because, you know, I live with five other people and it just, you know, it truly rocks my world. So I just um, I heard that you guys were transitioning into the Bundesliga and my Carlo Ancelotti eyebrow raised as I debated whether or not I should hop back on. And, you know, inevitably you always go with the, <laughs> the, mo- the more entertaining choice. Yeah, well, Nick, you're a showman, right? You know, that's uh, that's Indeed. sort of your that's very much your vibe um, this week and next are your or is it just this weekend is the the last break? Yeah, we close this weekend, yeah, on Sunday. Well, break a leg again. Congratulations, and uh, we look forward to to more three man boots in the future post post strike. But uh, is there anything else that we want to touch on before we say adios or alvidezain? No. Guys. Caleb, anything? No. <laughs> they gotta edit well, the dead space out of the end here. Well, clearly, you know, Caleb and Nick are, are still taking time to lick their wounds after the last couple of days worth of soccer, but we will see you next time. I hope uh, Manchester City win the league now. I'm saying it. I'm saying oh it my god. Yep. I mean... I put that out to, into yeah. the world. I put it out into the world. <laughs> You poked the bear, Nathan. This is I'm, you brought this on yourself. I'm gonna have to like transfer embargo Caleb, just like as a person. Uh, I guess we call that canceling, really. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, we will. Uh, a lot of talk coming up. We'll talk all about it next week. Uh, but until then, uh, don't pass the ball if you're a goalie. If you're a goalie, just just clear it to the touchline, pick it out of bounds. Don't pass it to a member of the opposition. And uh, Loris. Loris, please. <laughs> I've been Nathan Strauss. Caleb Brits. I've been Nick Minnan. And we'll see you all next time.